everybody. Welcome into the I Want to Know podcast. I am your host, Greg Jones, and I am the one leading you on this inquisitive departure into audio wisdom. Today on the show, I have Catherine Guy-Lay, and I'm going to tell you all about her in just a second. But first, I want to thank you guys for telling your friends about the show, telling your families. That's the only way the word gets spread, so keep on spreading. As you know, you can uh, get us at IWantToKnowShow.com. Don't forget that guest section has links to everything you need about the guests I talk to, whether it be Catherine Guy-Lay and her website and her books, or it could be anyone else I've talked to. They stay up there. They don't go away. So check that out. Also, follow us on all our social medias uh, at I Want to Know Show. Facebook is I Want to Know Show. We're on Instagram now. All that good stuff. And never hesitate to send an email this direction. I Want to Know Pod at gmail.com. Anyways, enough about me. On to the goods. Join me right now, Catherine Guy-Lay. She considers herself a passionate agent of change that has worked with thousands of parents and teachers to inspire better eating habits for kids and adults. Catherine is a certified nutritional counselor with a master's degree in business and the founder of nonprofit Nurture, as well as Healthy Solutions of Sun Valley. She is also the author of Mountain Mantras, Wellness and Life Lessons from the Slopes, and the new children's book, Give It a Go, Eat a Rainbow. Catherine, how's it going? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me on your show today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, you know, I've had a nutritionist on a couple of months ago, and it got great response. I enjoy talking to nutrition people as I learn. You know, I've said on the show, I'm doing a ketogenic thing myself. So the more nutritional things I learn that don't involve eat a ton of bread, it's been really fun, and I think the listeners are enjoying it. So it's, it's a win-win for everybody. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. And, you know, that's really my goal. I hope to help people, to give people some actionable, practical advice um, that's hopefully not too overwhelming. You know, because one of the things that I think makes the way that I message different is that I try to keep it upbeat. I try to keep it fun. And I think that it's very important to remember that it's very difficult to educate people if they're feeling defensive. And I I work a lot with corporations and with corporate wellness programs. And a lot of times people or employees feel like you're pointing the finger at them and saying, you're the problem. Like you're the reason why our healthcare costs are so high or whatever. And then it's very difficult to have a meaningful, you know, behavior change because if you're on the defensive, it's very difficult to change and to be receptive. So I think it's really important to start from that standpoint of let's work on what's going well and let's work on this together. Absolutely. And one thing you really said that hit home for me was making it easy because I did not set out to have a ketogenic ketogenic diet. My first thought was, you know what, maybe I should cut out some of the things, some of the sugary granola bars in the morning. Oh, I'll have eggs in the morning instead, like hard-boiled eggs. And then it just turned into more research and more research. And it started off with just super easy steps. And I think if people would realize that, you know, one easy step at a time, all of a sudden you have a totally different lifestyle. It's, it's great. It's a, it's a good way to do things. So um, before we get any further, I, I cannot forget, I want to mention you guys, if you want to find Catherine, you can get her on Twitter at Catherine Guy-Lay, and It's G-U-Y-L-A-Y. Uh, Facebook, Catherine Kemp Guy-Lay, And her website is makewellnessfun.com. I'll say that again later, but I want to make sure I get it out at least a few times. So anyway, so let's, let's start off. First of all, give me a little bit about your background. I mean, have you been a nutritionist your entire life or how did this come about? Well, I've always been interested in nutrition. It's funny. My dad, he is a biochemist. He's retired now, but I grew up in the home of a biochemist. And he used to bring my sister and me with him to work to the Chicago Medical School. 
and sort of let us loose, um, running in the halls, you know, bothering scientists. <laughs> and I became really fascinated. I was you know, able to look through electron microscopes when I was a kid and talk to scientists about what was happening. And I was fascinated by you know, the fact that, you know, if you don't get enough vitamin C, you get scurvy. If you don't get enough vitamin D, you get rickets. You know, they had all these pathologists there and, you know, so interested in, in all of that information. The dinner table was very um, intellectual. You know, we used to talk about macronutrients and micronutrients and all that. Um, but I did, I actually went into business. My dad always wanted me to go to medical school and it was probably because he wanted me to go into medical school that I decided not to. Um, I love my dad, but you know how that works with um, too much pressure. You tend to go the other way. Absolutely. I went into business. I spent about 10 years in management consulting, loved it. I was always the person, you know, I was working 60 to 80, sometimes plus hours a week, um, sometimes in three cities a week. But I was able to, based on like what you said, the basic knowledge, it's actually not that difficult if you have some, you know, basic practical steps to keep yourself self healthy. I was the one that was exercising and eating well in my company and all my clients and my and my associates would always ask me the questions like, how do we do it? So I realized that it wasn't that difficult. And like you said, Greg, it's like baby steps. You just start and it snowballs. Um, so that's sort of my background in business. I then had two children, um, and then I realized that management consulting and having little kids was completely incompatible, <laughs> and I switched directions entirely, and here's a statistic that really made that change for me. My daughter, my first child, was born in the year 2000, and they came out with a statistic, which is getting worse. The children that are born today will have a shorter life expectancy oh. than we do. Isn't that crazy? And it's mostly related to nutritional issues. That, that's insane. You think with modern medicine, that would be just a thing of the past. You would think. <laughs> but with, you know, trillions of dollars spent on you know, nutritionally related disease today, you know, with 86 million people with diabetes, and, or sorry, it's 86 million that are pre-diabetic. Right. And then it's another 20, I think it's 26 or 27 that are actually diabetic. We're just talking about a major epidemic. And so I just decided I was going to be a big player in this movement to make a change, you know, not just in my own family, but, you know, in the schools and in workplace and as a nation and hopefully as a globe. Yeah, that's great. And one thing, you know, that kind of leads me into my, my first real question which is the food now. Um, one of the things that seems really confusing is labels on the back of food and how they've, I don't know, this is a horribly formed question, but you know, how they've kind of corrupted, corrupted our view of healthy. You know, all of a sudden you see, oh, it's non-fat, but of course they've pumped it full of sugar to make it taste good because it's non-fat. And, you know, we think Gatorade is a healthy juice for our kids. You know, how has this become such a standard in today's society? Well, food companies, big food companies have tons of money. They have tons of budget for advertising and for amazing branding. I just tell people when they're shopping, first of all, just stick to the perimeter of the store. Stay out of all those aisles where you have those long, complex labels. I love Michael Pollan. And he says, you know, eat, eat plants, um, you know, eat food, real food, mostly plants and not too much. Uh, I know that you know if you've been on a you know sort of high protein diet, 
Um, I'm not telling people not to eat meat. I'm not telling people not to eat dairy or not to have, you know, turkey, fish, all that. Eggs, those are all great foods. But foods that are from Mother Earth, those are the ones that we really need to stick to. If we have more than five ingredients on the label, I tend to get a little suspicious. And I never, ever pay attention to anything on the front of the package because that's where all the misleading information is. And I tell my kids that if there's like a cartoon character on it, you know it's a junk food <laughs> because, you know, farmers, they don't have the budget to create these you know, characters. Are you saying tricks aren't for kids? Come on. <laughs> That's what I call a ADHD uh, creating rainbow. I mean, those food dyes actually are the source of the problem around what we're seeing on the autism spectrum. I mean, it, it, it has been shown in studies that consuming these artificial colors and dyes actually create hyperactivity in children. So, Parents out there, watch your kids after they drink a blue drink. Are they more hyper? Maybe don't do it next time. <laughs> that's a good point. And, and even as you say that, it's like, you just called it a blue drink. That that sounds awful. Not as they drink this, you know, whatever, juice or, or water, a blue drink. If it's called blue drink, right, I feel exactly. like it's probably not good. Right. And if it's that like neon blue, you know we're in trouble. I mean, you know, Mother Nature actually creates beautiful colors all on her own. But again, those are things that usually don't have long labels. And so we, we have to turn those packages around. We have to take control over our you know, shopping habits. And what I like to do with kids is, we, is I like to make them into detectives. Like kids love jobs to be productive and, and feel important. There are information. I have all kinds of resources on this website that I run called healthykidsideas.com. You can type into the search bar labels. I have a whole game about how you can send kids to the store and teach them, you know, how to find dangerous foods and avoid them. And kids love feeling like they're helping out in the family shopping and that they have a role and that they're making their family health healthier. Yeah. And, and kids love being little detectives too. So you tell them to hunt for things with, uh, you know, whatever in it. We're not going to get that. So that could be a fun thing to do. Um, speaking of kids, I was a, as a really chubby kid, what advice would you give to a parent that, you know, say my mom to, to help kind of get me back on track with kids? You, you never want to, you never want to make them feel like they are not perfect the way they are. I'm sure you call yourself a chubby kid. I think I was a chubby kid too, but you know what? It's perfect the way they are. Kids should never lose weight. They should only grow into their weight, meaning like say you have a little kid, you know, that weighs 80 pounds that probably should only weigh like 60 pounds. You should never try to encourage that kid, number one, to even think about weight, to think about calories. No, 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 no. That's way too complicated. But what you want to do is you want to let that kid grow up height wise, but then not have that number go up too much. They're basically growing into their height and how you do that is you get them, you give them a positive relationship with food. You never talk about food as you know something that is bad, um, or you never let them feel deprived. I talked about the blue drink. Well, you know, if my kids go to a birthday party and there's a blue cake, I still let them eat it sure. because you don't want your kids to feel like they're different or strange or you know 
or they're deprived. So it's really important. Number one, anybody listening that you know has a chubby kid, you know, just if there's any tension around food, take it away. And then my secret recipe for how to solve the problem is just three ingredients. It's first, you educate. Second, you inspire. And third, you give choice. And Greg, if you want, I can go into a little bit more about what I mean by those three, three ingredients if you're interested. Absolutely. So, you know, inspiration, well, first it starts with education. I don't mean, you know, like being pedantic and, you know, talking about every single thing that your kid is eating. But just like my dad did at the, at the dinner table, it's kind of fun to talk about food. It's fun to involve your kids with growing food, like a garden, even if you have something in the window or just a small patio. You know, teach kids where food comes from, send them to a cooking class, you know, talk about that your food as you're preparing it, involve your kids. Um, another resource that you can find on nurtureyourfamily.org, which is another website. There's uh, all kinds of free webs or sorry, recipe books that Michelle Obama is putting out. One of them is the healthy kids lunchtime challenge. So they're all healthy recipes created by kids for kids, kids tested, have your kids choose the recipe, but they're making a choice from, you know, a number of healthy you know, selections. So inspiration is in your own habits, you know, kind of like sitting down and saying, Ooh, look, it's one up. My plate is full of you know, colorful fruits and vegetables or healthy proteins. It tastes so good. You're inspiring them. You're teaching them that food is fuel and that you want to go and have energy. And all kids really want to do is they want to go play. So if, if you teach them that food is fuel and it gives them the energy to go play, that's what will really connect with them. And finally, it's all about giving choices. So again, it's what are we having for dinner? Where are we going to go shop? Can you help me find a purple vegetable while we're at the grocery store or at the farmer's market? But you're involving them so they feel like it's their decision, not something they're being told to do. So you can kind of bring it up in a way like, yeah, you could have that piece of chocolate, but man, that carrot's going to make playtime a whole lot better. Absolutely. I mean, and again, you're, you might be talking about it about yourself. Like, wow, you know, I just had that incredible salad with, you know, with, with lean chicken and, and the, you know, Parmesan cheese on top. And wow, that makes me feel really energetic and a big work day to finish up. And so I'm so glad that I fueled up with that incredible lunch because I know that if I had just grabbed a, a candy bar, it would give me, you know, half an hour of, you know, of, of a sugar high, but then I'd be tired all afternoon and hungry again in an hour. So you might want to just talk about how food makes you as the adult feel. And you know what? Your kid is listening to everything you say, whether you know it or not. True. You know, one thing you said made me think of something I read in some of my uh, research for what I eat. And, and maybe you've never heard this. Maybe you have, and you can uh, confirm or deny. I read somewhere that Michelle Obama, when she was you know putting together her whole healthy kids and all that that she's doing, uh, wanted to rework the, the food pyramid and, and kind of take bre breads and grains off, at least mostly off, and that she got major, major pushback and wasn't able to do that. Well, here's the thing. I applaud Michelle Obama for getting rid of that pyramid. That pyramid was a disaster. You are exactly right that it is those white breads, you know, processed grains, the non-whole grains that are making our nation fat. And it's causing the diabetes problem. So having that, remember that base on the pyramid of, of you know, 
cookies and crackers and whatever. I mean, what a disaster. Right. Yes, I do know that Michelle Obama did come up against, of course, lobbyists and huge, you know, food interests. You know, working within the USDA to get a food, um, you know, icon created is very difficult. So what I suggest listeners do is you can just look up my plate, which is what she was able to negotiate. So it's it shows the plate, half the plate is fruits and vegetables, a quarter is, is grains, a, a quarter is protein, and then she's got dairy on the side. Of course, you've got huge dairy interests, you know, in the USDA. Then check out Harvard's healthy plate, which came out a couple months right after, sort of as a response mm-hmm. to the USDA MyPlate. Really interesting. They took off dairy. They replaced it with water. They added healthy oils because where are the healthy fats, which you, Greg, know. If you don't eat fat, and I mean healthy fat, like you're not satisfied. Oh, yeah. And you're never feeling full. You have to have fat. So important. So the MyPlate is missing that. They also made the grains, you know, that it has to be whole grains, and they made the protein bigger. They made the vegetables bigger. So, listeners, check out Harvard's Healthy Plate. I think that one is a whole lot more effective, but at least the My Plate that Michelle Obama got through the USDA is a huge improvement over the horrible pyramid. <laughs> yeah, that thing's awful. Um, I'm actually looking at both uh, her plate and Harvard's plate right now. Interesting thing. And tell me what you think of this. Both of them have grains as a quarter of the plate. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think for kids, I think, you know, grains are great for kids. Whole grains, I would say, try to make all your grains whole if you're a child and if you're a parent, you know, shopping for children. The reason why is that, you know, kids are so active and they're growing. They do need those grains as sort of like, you know, fuel. Mm -hmm. But once you're an adult, I think a lot of adults no longer need grains. And that's why we have, you know, the primal diet and the paleo and, you know, Atkins and all that. And people do really well on those diets. They're also really good diets for either maintaining or losing weight because grains, you know, being a, a carbohydrate, they are going to spike your blood sugar. They are, you know, when your blood sugar goes down, it's going to make you hungrier. And so, you know, grains are not the best food if you're wanting to lose weight. If, like when I had my babies and gained weight for pregnancies, after I was, you know, after my kids were born, I was done breastfeeding and I wanted to lose weight. I didn't touch grains because I know that you really to lose weight, you do have to go towards that higher protein, lower carb plans. Ever since, you know, my, I hate saying lifestyle change, I feel so cheesy, but my, my lifestyle change, I found as I'm reading labels and, and seeing what's in things, there is so much added, added sugar in just about everything we could buy from a grocery store. Um, two questions, is this only a U.S. thing or is this a worldwide problem? And how can companies get away with this kind of stuff? Okay, so the sugar problem is now a global problem, maybe because we export everything, starting with our pop culture, um, but we also export our foods and our, you know, and McDonald's, you know, <laughs> the whole slow food movement, which is, you know, taking your time preparing meals, was a reaction to a, a McDonald's opening in Rome. I mean, it was just like the Italians were like, no. <laughs> um, so it's um, the sugary thing is crazy. The, the cool thing, which is a step in the right direction, is that recently there's finally a law saying that labels need to change. And for once, 
we are going to see a percentage of daily recommended allowance on the sugar item. So super exciting. Everybody take a look at a current package today. All the other ingredients have percentages. So you know how much you know, of vitamin A you're getting, vitamin C and calcium and so on. But when it's, you see the sugar mysteriously, the percentage is missing. And that's because most things are going to have like 2,000%, right? Exactly. And so we're going to start to wake up and kids are going to look at it and go, what? I'm having, you know, 3,000% of my daily amount of sugar. So sugar is a huge problem. The other thing is, is that we're not educating our population about the difference between naturally occurring sugar from Mother Nature, like what you find in fruits and vegetables, and added sugar, which is what our food companies are piling into to things and renaming. You know, there are like 50 different names of sugar. And so you just can kind of like add, you know, 50 different ones. And, <laughs> and, and then they don't even add up because they're just adding like little, you know, bits of, of types of sugar. So it's crazy on the label. The other thing is a lot of the sugar is coming from processed corn, which goes back to the USDA, which is another issue. I will, um, I'll answer your question about, or, you know, try to answer the question about how they're getting away with it. I mean, and, and the answer is money. I mean, the, because of the subsidies to corn and the fact that, you know, corn has become so cheap and you can do so many things with corn, especially making it into syrup, which you can put into drinks and all that, the profit margins for these, you know, processed foods are just so high that you know, there's so much to play around with, you know, lobbying and advertising and, you know, I think downright manipulation through, you know, what we're doing with, you know, some of the messaging that we're giving kids, unless it's coming from, you know, a nonprofit organization that's truly interested or a healthcare organization that's interested in the well-being of our population. Yeah. What, is there a difference as far as the way your body intakes it between, you know, real sugar and like uh, corn syrup or something like that? Oh, I've had to, um, debates with my dad, the biochemist, about this. Um, he's a little bit more uh, mainstream as far as saying, you know, he's kind of like the calorie is a calorie is a calorie kind of person, um, you know, because he's looking at it from a molecular level. Also kind of looks at, I mean, sugar is, you know, basically, you know, certain percentages of glucose and sucrose and so on. Um, but they have shown, like with rat studies, that, you know, rats get, they get fatter faster on these like highly processed uh, corn-based sugars. So I think, and I mean, just looking at the data in terms of diabetes and in terms of childhood obesity, I think, you know, looking at what's happening with our kids that are drinking all the soda and, and watching those statistics go in the alarmingly the wrong way, I think we can't help but say, hmm, our body is not recognizing this as a normal, natural thing from Mother Earth. And so, of course, it's not going to process it very well. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's not natural at all. Um, I have friends that, I mean, to their credit, lead a very, very busy life. They have a two-year-old, and I, I see what they're eating, and I see what they, they feed to her. Uh, I, I cringed a few weeks ago when they said, oh, it's snack time, and they handed her a Go-Gurt. I just thought that's got to be the worst thing ever. Um, but I don't want to be like that weirdo, you know, preacher guy that says, oh, you should do this, and you should do that. So what do you say to these types of parents? Like, okay, you're, you're giving your kids Go-Gurts and, you know, Jell-O for dessert instead of, you know, something that even resembles nutrition. Well, what I try to do is when it comes to, you know, my friends and family, I really do keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 
it's like what people are doing around me because again if you happen to insult somebody by you know saying you really shouldn't be giving your kid that you know you come across as the food police it's my worst nightmare is to be considered like the food police coming after somebody so right. and again going back to the idea where people have to be open and receptive in order to be educated so how do we do that say with our friends you know again i would say when you're out with your friends you know there might be some subtle things that you can do or maybe some stories you can pull into your conversations you know around wow you know i i read that you know greek yogurt has so much more protein and you know then gogurt oh my gosh I, that's probably got so much sugar in it yeah. or you could even some, or you could it, it, depending on their personality like my kids i'll tell you how i keep them away from gogurt my son does not like being fooled by anything like if, if he feels like somebody's trying to pull the wool over his eyes he gets really defensive <laughs> and so i i told him that and this is true for yogurt and anything that's pink the food manufacturing companies were using this thing called um oh my gosh it was like um carmine that's what it was called k carmine or carmine and it was it was dried pulverized bugs that oh, they yeah. i kid you not bugs b-u-g-s that they harvested from peru and some other areas in south america and then they're pink because they eat that like they eat something from a cactus and their eggs are pink and so they take the female bugs, pulverize them, it makes this bright pink powder, and then they put it into yogurt, into like ocean spray, and I told my son that, and he was like, you know, well, first of all, he didn't care if it was bugs, but he was like, I don't want anyone tricking me, calling it carmine, they better call it bugs, if, they're gonna, if it's going to be bugs, better just say it, so then he just wants to be really careful, he doesn't need anything pink, he's like, I, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so you, you might think about their personalities. Everybody's motivated by different things. My daughter actually heard that very same story, and she won't eat anything pink because she loves living creatures because she's this really sensitive soul. She's like, Mom, I don't want to eat bugs. So think about what motivates people, whether it's like energy or, or not being fooled or you know not being grossed out or whatever, and just tell them a story. People love stories, and stories change behavior. You know, that's funny. As you were talking about this, I have next to me a little uh, bottle of this vitamin drink that I have, and it's pink. And I immediately went, oh, God, what's in it? And luckily, <laughs> luckily, the coloring comes from uh, beets. So I think, oh, okay. okay, that's fine. I really oh gosh, started to worry. So funny. If you had carmine in there, I mean, and the thing is, is that carmine is actually a cousin. I mean, those bugs, whatever they're called, they're cousins of shrimp. Okay. And so kids, I've heard these stories of kids having horrible allergic reactions, like in their car seats, and their parents are freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, I just gave her a cookie. Well, it was like those grandma's cookies that are, you know, the ones that you find in gas stations with like the pink frosting right. and, the, and they're in plastic wrap and they've been there for three months. Well, the kid had a, they're basically allergic to shrimp. And the mom never finds out about it, you know, until much later because it's just this sly thing. And how are you supposed to know that carmine is a cousin of shrimp? <laughs> Interesting. I've never heard. That's crazy. It's well, crazy. That's that's the food industry today. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad mine's just beet coloring and not <laughs> not bugs. <laughs> so when should people, at what point, come 
searching for you? Like, oh, I have a fat kid. I need it. I need some help. Or, uh, you know, like day one, I'm about to have a kid. What should I not be feeding my kid? Like, what do you tell people? When it comes to kids, I mean, you need to be thinking about this when, you know, in the prenatal period. I mean, what, and so many studies have been, been coming out talking about, you know, what you're eating as you're pregnant is so um, correlated to future health of your child. So, you know, the earlier, the better. They're, they're, you know, as soon as that little hint of motivation strikes you, like, I want to make a baby step, whether it's changing my breakfast or just, um, you know, making a slight tweak to what I'm having for lunch or changing up my snacks, whatever it is that when you just feel that tiny little bit of motivation or curiosity, that's the moment to reach out to somebody and say, hey, where should I start? Because it really, like you said before, it's about that baby step that you take that leads to the next thing. That's how all huge change happens is it's just a number of very, very small steps. But you have to take the first one. Yeah, exactly. You know, I changed my breakfast habits and all of a sudden I lost five pounds. And I thought, ooh, this might be a good thing to do. Congratulations. Breakfast is the key. Yeah, that, that's where it all started. And now... Uh, I'm down about 20 pounds, 22 pounds. It's been since April. What is that? Three months, four months. So it's been a lot. Congratulations. Of I mean, Thank and you. don't you feel so much more productive? I mean, that's the thing is that it's, it's, it is the snowball effect because you have more energy and you can get more done and you're like, wow. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I don't want to sound like the preacher because I, I very much enjoy it. Uh, you know, I feel sharper more than anything. Like I feel a lot mentally sharper. So it's been really nice. Absolutely. All right, so let me ask you this. There's a big craze these days with gluten-free. What are your thoughts on being gluten-free? Well, again, you know, this is something that you need to be aware of. Um, gluten has changed, molecularly speaking. It's one of those GMO, it's, it's genetically modified. What we've been doing with our wheat in this country, it's interesting, a lot of people that are very gluten intolerant can go to Europe and have a, you know, lovely, you know, baguette, you know, and cheese and wine and feel fine. Interesting. But it's really here. Isn't that crazy? But it's here in this country and it's because we've been modifying our wheat over the last, you know, 50, 60 years. What we've been doing is we've been trying to get more and more protein into the wheat. And so, and that's where the problem lies is that the molecules are actually getting bigger and they're becoming harder to digest. And then when you're just basically piling on more and more things that maybe your body doesn't recognize or can't digest properly, which by the way, becomes more of an issue as you get older, our digestive system, just like everything else gets a little bit more tired. Um, you can start with digestive enzymes and see if that helps, but then you might want to start taking out some foods and yes, you know, dairy is one, gluten is another, you know, there's nuts. My husband, he, peanuts aren't even nuts, they're legumes, but oh my gosh, when, when we first got married, he, <laughs> he used to eat um, so much peanut butter and so many peanuts. <laughs> and um, now he, he's like, if it has any trace of peanut smell or whatever, he doesn't touch it because it makes his stomach hurt. So I think we change it's whatever fits us today might not fit us tomorrow. But gluten is something certainly to play with. And the manifestations are very different. People think, oh, if your stomach hurts or if you're bloated or whatever, your digestion, uh-uh. It could be your, your when you get up in the morning, your, your, um, your joints ache. That's one of the most 
common things because it's inflammatory. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that have just take gluten out of diet. They think they have like early arthritis and all of a sudden it's gone. Weird. Yeah. It's because it's inflammatory. Okay. And I guess it's also inflammatory to your stomach if you don't tolerate it well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all connected. I mean, what you're talking about, your thinking, you know, how you were thinking sharp. I mean, all that, you know, is the brain, the body, the mind, the spirit, the emotions, it is all connected. And, you know, what we're putting in our bodies every day, you know, the water we drink, the air we breathe, you know, the more that we're putting in that our body doesn't like, it's like we're a barrel. And, you know, we can only take so much before that barrel like overflows. And that's what I think is an allergic reaction to something is that your barrel is just full, whether it's you're putting in gluten or you're putting in, you know, something that you're breathing in the air or something you're taking in your water or in, you know, hopefully not, but you know, the artificial sweeteners and all that can upset our systems as well. But once that barrel is full and then you add that final other ingredient that your body doesn't like, and then you're going to start to see all kinds of symptoms, everything from headaches to insomnia, to crabbiness or fog, you know, foggy head feeling and joint pain, all kinds of stuff really can come down to that you're not tolerating what you're putting in your body. Interesting. Something you just barely touched upon earlier was corn subsidies subsidies, and that they've led to all this processed food. How does How is that connected? How has that become such a problem? Well, it's so crazy. I think most people don't realize that, you know, in the 50s, which is when we started our national lunch program, you know, we started that lunch program because we had skinny kids, meaning our kids were really, you know, um, malnourished. And what we have today is we have sort of overfed kids um, that are still malnourished. Like if you look in a food pantry line today, you're going to see a lot of overweight people. And if you look back in the 1950s, more soldiers were turned away for being underweight. And now today more being turned away for being overweight. So it's an interesting thing. And yet we look to the same agency, which is the USDA, to try to solve the problems of being undernourished, which is basically what was happening in the 1950s. And now today we're like overfed, but we're still getting the same advice from the same agency, which I think is a little ironic. So the USDA pretty much runs the whole you know, the, the food um, and nutrition departments and, you know, they were responsible for the pyramid and they were working in collaboration. They put out my plate and all the recommendations around what we should be eating as Americans. And, you know, we today, we have more food in this country or more calories than we probably need, but we have less nutrients because our soy rates, we're not getting, we're not eating whole foods as much as we were like when, we're, when our grandparents were eating, right. you know, so we're just getting calories, but we're not getting nutrition. The problem today is that, you know, we are just eating more processed foods. We're getting too many calories, but we're still not getting enough of the actual nutrients. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a weird thing for me to grasp. One of the things I really had to wrap my mind around when I started doing all these changes was, um, it, but also made it make more sense was, you know, now I'm eating this really healthy, quote unquote, healthy granola bar and I'm not losing weight. Yet my grandparents used to have eggs and bacon every day for breakfast and they weren't fat. It's like, wait a minute, you know, eggs and bacon are supposed to make you fat. What's wrong here? Oh, well, you know, eggs and bacon. I mean, that's so close to mother earth. You know, that's a, that's a cow and then a chicken laid the egg. 
Whereas your granola bar, I swear, I bet it's corn. And, you know, anybody that wants to, you know, Michael Pollan wrote this book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, you know, that talks about how if you actually take a lot of American meals and actually look at them at a molecular level, they're like 90% corn. And so he said, he always, you know, jokes like, if, if you are what you eat, we are all corn. And <laughs> the, uh, there's this movie called King Corn you know, that kind of tells the story about these subsidies, but... Really what happened was is we went to a monoculture from our, you know, in our farmers and we, we started subsidizing corn and then we genetically modified corn. So we're growing so much corn that we don't know what to do with it. And so food companies can get it for such cheap prices. They basically are turning it in corn into all kinds of things. And so that granola bar is probably corn. And, you know, corn, people think it's a vegetable. It's a grain. And we were just talking before about grains being a problem if you're trying to lose weight or trying to maintain your weight. So there you go. That's why we're having a problem in this country. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, before we, we let you go, I was hoping you'd give us a, you know, just a good day, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like what, what you should ideally have, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe a snack in between. Absolutely. And I will tell you that it will completely depend on the season because I eat totally in a different way when I'm in the winter season sure. versus the summer. So you really need to take that in, in, into account. And obviously your activity level and your age and any kind of like, you know, um, you know food intolerance issues that you might have and certainly preferences. Uh, but so I'll just, I'll just take a summer day. So today, you know, it's, it's a hot day. It's the summertime. I'd wake up in the morning, I would have, and this is an adult, okay, I would yeah. have a, a plate of, of fresh greens, and, and the, the greener and the more exotic, the better. Try not to always eat the same thing, because that's how food intolerances happen. Your body gets tired, you know, like, oh my gosh, the same thing every day. Hmm. So maybe, um, you know, some chard or some kale or some arugula or different kinds of greens. If you can get them fresh, even better. Then take some hard-boiled eggs. Put it on top of there and have and add some you know healthy fat. So maybe drizzle it with like a homemade dressing that you make out of um, you know sesame oil. Or if you want to cook your eggs, I like coconut um, oil for cooking my egg, eggs at high heat. Um, so we're really just talking about a high protein breakfast. Do not start your day with a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't. Need, I I can't tell you the last time I had a bagel. So there's my breakfast: greens and and eggs. And then snack, great snacks. Um, I'm always out on the go, so I like to put, you know, macadamia nuts or almonds or like a mixture. Of, you know, if I want something sweet, I put in like some dried from there, like my own trail mix. I never buy trail mix. Um, um, cheese sticks are great. I'm a dairy eater. Um, this is very much dependent on people who can ter- um, tolerate dairy. Yeah, love so, cheese sticks. So I like cheese. Are you a, are you a cheese eater, Greg? Absolutely. Okay, so I mean, what's easier than some organic cheese sticks in your pocket? And you know, when you get hungry, they they won't make you hungry later. Is the key? That's really what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to maintain like an even blood sugar and an even um, appetite. And so, if you're having breakfast like around you know seven, you have your snack around nine thirty ten, and then have your lunch you know twelve thirty one. And that meal lunch again, greens, vegetables. I'm a huge vegetable person. Um, lean protein, you know, maybe like a chicken breast or if you're, you know, on the go, you know, roll up some, you know, healthy, you know, turkey rolls and some cheese, all good stuff. 
Um, again, I'm not, I'm kind of talking about like a maintenance kind of thing. Sure. If you're going to go exercise, have a cookie. I mean, <laughs> I don't like to eat sugar at the end of the day because I think it can mess with your sleep. If you, if you have a spike and then it affects your cortisol. So, um, if you're going to have a sweet, I like to have a, a sweet in the afternoon, If I'm going to go for a hike. You know, I might like have like a, we make these amazing chocolate chip cookies in our house. Um, so, uh, you know, have a cookie or two if you're going to go for a, a big exercise. And um, for dinner, you know, I'm really big on just having, you know, I don't mind red meat. I don't have a lot, but, you know, fish is the best, um, chicken, vegetables. And then for dessert, have a piece of fruit, you know, have a glass of wine for a treat. Now, that is a, that is a diet that most people could even lose weight on. Um, but I don't feel at all deprived if I'm eating like that. If I get hungry in the afternoon, make yourself a, make yourself a smoothie. That's actually what I'm having right now. And you just you don't want to feel hungry. That's that's really the key. You don't want to feel deprived. If you go to an amazing dinner, you want to have dessert. Three bites, because you know how it goes. The first bite, so good, oh, right? Yeah. Like oh, you have chocolate cake. It's like fireworks. On. Second bite, it's pretty good, right? But by the third, you're like, okay, that it's not going to get any better than that. By your tenth, you're on a major, you know, de you're declining marginal return. So if you're going to have dessert, three bites, that's it. And I swear that will keep anybody listening just really at a, a weight that they would feel great at and not feel deprived. And one thing you mentioned was the cookies. I mean, do you make them, you know, with, with not quote unquote normal ingredients, or how do you go about that? I'm happy to share. If you want, I can send you my cookie recipe. It's a combination of, gosh, it's from childhood. And we took like the Mrs. Fields recipe that my mom bought and we combined it with like Toll House and something else, but it, and, and then added our healthy twist to it. So I use organic butter. Uh, again, I, I'm not fat phobic. I don't think anyone should be fat phobic because it makes you full. So, um, and then we use, um, you know, regular sugar. I don't use artificial sweeteners ever. I think those actually damage your brain. But we put in whole um, whole grain flour and, and oatmeal and just really high quality chocolate. And um, and we underbake them so they're nice and gooey. And people are always really amazed when they find out that I'm like a, like a chocolate and cookie person. You know, <laughs> I bet. because I'm a nutritionist and you know and I'm I'm out there running the half marathons, you know, in the mountains. But um, I really feel like you can have balance in life and, and you can't beat yourself up um, if you, you know, feel like you went, you know, out of the margin of, of what you think is quote unquote healthy meat, um, eating. You have to, you know, enjoy life and you, and you never go down that spiral of beating yourself up and thinking that you're, you know, not doing the right thing if you have that cookie because that is the that is the 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 path to to ultimate demise. It's really just about keeping your a healthy attitude and balance all around. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right, that is a perfect place to wrap things up. Once again, make sure you find Catherine Guylay on Twitter at Catherine Guylay G U Y L A Y. Facebook Catherine Kemp Guylay makewellnessfun.com and the one thing she told me is she definitely responds so go go on there contact her let her know you heard her here she'll respond to you uh Catherine, thank you so much for for taking the time out and uh talking some nutrition with us well thank you and um you know keep your great health up congratulations thank you so much it's been fun and i want that cookie recipe 
Absolutely. You got it. <laughs> Thank you once again to Catherine Guilet. Like I said before, get her on Twitter, at Catherine Guilet. Facebook, Catherine Kemp Guilet. And MakeWellnessFun.com is her website, and she will respond to anything you guys send her. Let her know you heard her here and that uh, you enjoyed the show or maybe you got some questions for her. I think she would love those. I also want to mention that my brand new podcast, The Unfiltered Gentleman, is now officially live. You guys can check that out, theunfilteredgentleman.com, on all the podcast apps. I hope you enjoy. It's a lot different from this show. It's a show about uh, beer and sports and, uh, quite frankly, a lot of guy things. So if that sounds like you and something you would like, I say check it out and let me know what you think. Anyways, that's enough from here. You can find the show, as always, IWantToKnowShow.com on Facebook, I want to know show at I want to know show on Twitter, and, of course, on our Instagram, I want to know show and send an email. Maybe you got a question, a comment. It's okay if I've already had the guest on. I can have him back. Uh, I want to know pod at gmail.com. That's all from me. So on that note, good night, everybody. Good night.